Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It is the 24th of the third month, so that's the March. I'm Nadine Blaney. This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in business, market, startups. You know the drill. But I'm here today with Annette Beecher. How are you? Oh, what a day. I just uh, finished the market wrap saying I feel like I've been watching a windscreen wiper. <laughs> We've just been moving left and right. So yeah, today was a resources up and tech down, the complete opposite to yesterday. We are still very much headline driven on a day-to-day basis. Look, there's a lot of talk about coal prices and how positive they will be for Whitehaven Coal, and it was the best performer in the energy space. Woodside was up by 3%, just read a note from City. They have upgraded, get this, Annette, they have upgraded their oil price forecast for 2022 from, drumroll please, (laughs) $20 per barrel to $91 per barrel for Brent for 2022. So off the back of that, earnings expectations for Woodside, When was it $20 a barrel? That's what I'd like to know. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Amazing, right? But Beach Energy is its pick in the space. It's only buy, in fact, still in the energy space. It says that it's fundamentally relatively as well undervalued, lowest implied oil price of its peers, and of course, lagging share price performance. So there you go. Um, Where I was going with that was as well the material space. So didn't, you know, didn't really blow the lights out, but BHP's the big BHP. It's a big green square on our screen, that's for sure. 17 index points overall, 2%. But uh, to your point, yeah, it's Infotech. If commodities are up these days, you kind of got to know that Infotech's going to be down, right? <laughs> Square, 360, Megaport, all of the usual suspects. Although I just uh, noticed that uh, City city Chic always... City Chic, it's hard to say. CCX, that I can say. That's crept into the bottom three. Because yeah. we've spoken to a few people saying they actually like the stock. Yeah, so. uh, that it's good value mm. and that they believe that they've got their market sorted really well and that um you know the inventory issue that we saw in reporting season was not much of an issue and i I think that's interesting too because in the consumer discretionary space we heard from jb hi-fi today of course it was updating on its buyback but it used the opportunity to update the market Mm -hmm. and look um sales momentum is going better than most had expected i mean again i've spoken to many people who said we don't need any more screens we did our work from home sorting out jb hi-fi um you know the best is is over, but mm, didn't it's seem not. so. Well, when I had that chat with Craig Wolford a couple of weeks ago, I posed that to him and he actually said a lot of people thought working from home would be temporary. And so people just grabbed whatever they could. Now that it's more of a permanent situation, he said there's another wave of upgraders. 
Mm-hmm. So it's now that it's part that of your sense. home. So you, you maybe you did buy a cheap monitor or a cheap this and a or you just set that. yourself up on the kitchen on the kitchen yeah. bench. That's what I do when <laughs> I'm at home. I'm on the kitchen table keeping a beady eye on outside. But uh, yeah, if it's a more permanent situation, he said there's there's potentially another wave as it becomes a more entrenched part of life. So that that does give more credence to that retail mm-hmm. space. Well, JB Hi-Fi today was up by four percent off the back of that update. I um, chose it for the stock of the day. I had my guests join me, David Lane from Ord Minette and also Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. Here's what they had to say about JBH. The announcement today showed that JB Hi-Fi is, is continuing to do well, as you said. Um, good guys, slightly below where they were in the, the half-year result, but still tracking very, very strongly. So. We are seeing a continuation of, of demand. Uh, I think for JB Hi-Fi, we will uh, continue to see some some strong sales growth there. It's a stock that, that we like. We've currently got a, a buy recommendation on us. I just feel as though there are just too many risks there at the moment. Um, and then in terms of the way JB Hi-Fi is trading, um, it's actually made no progress to the share price for the last year and a half. So it's been trading in this big range from about sort of $44 to about 55 And from the charting point of view, I'd like to see it clear that upper level, mm-hmm. um, clear that range, and that would make me feel more confident. Um, so I think that combined with those those downside risks, I'd, I'd just um, stay on the sidelines at the moment. Okay, so that is, well, it's a divided view there on JB Hi-Fi, but uh, you'll want to listen to that episode of The Call. I know that a lot of viewers or listeners out there really like getting two buys from our guests. (laughs) And um, look, that's not exactly how it market works. But anyways, on this episode, we do have, I think, two, maybe, you know, I think just two, but two double buys. So that's your tease. If you're interested, you can go have a listen to that via podcast, or you can watch (laughs) it online at ausbiz.com.au. Very quiet around the traps in terms of economic news here in the Asian region today. Annette? Yeah, next next to nothing. I guess we're all still head scratching with that conga line of Fed speakers. They're all on the same song sheet. Fifty basis points is is coming. Still raise the question: Why did they go twenty five? That's my Annette's angle today. If they're really talking about fifty, why they didn't go fifty last week is extraordinary. But the 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 answers we're getting yesterday today and today is that's not how a Fed starts a tightening cycle. It's like, well, what's so stock standard about this tightening cycle? It was pretty strange on the way down. So surely we could be more forgiving on the way up. Well, and it's strange times right now. They are strange times. This is multi-trillion dollar stimulus that's being walked back at a glacial pace. So anyway, clearly they're going to be going at 50s. How many 50s? We don't know. But keep in mind that six hikes is only one and a half percent. That's how low cash rates are. Yeah, I had a chat with uh, Martin Wetton from CBA. You know him well. Um, Look, he was pretty relaxed about this whole scenario that's playing out. He was pretty relaxed about the Fed just responding to changing circumstances, saying they've got that right, and uh, pretty relaxed about the prospect of recession. He doesn't see one. Not saying it wouldn't happen, but he doesn't see one coming. And that was the sentiment that was echoed by um, Tony Cristanzi, who's joined us from PIMCO from New York. He's lived through these cycles before. And he said he is not factoring in a recession. 
uh, yet. Definitely not well, this year. Well, neither is the stock market. No. Let's face it. I mean, as we, I was told uh, quite a few times today, we know this, but just as a reminder, you know, equities are two, three years ahead. Mm-hmm. If they were truly pricing in a recession, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about green on screen. No, no. And um, to your conga line point, well, <laughs> you thought it was thick last night. Guess what? We've got the FOMC's Bullard, Kashkari, Waller, Evans and Bostic all speaking at different events. i I just wonder what else they do with their time. Yeah, it's like that. that what do they do during their blackout? Do they yeah. pull their weeds out like we do on weekends? We know Bullard's uh, a bull. He's aptly named at this point in the cycle. Waller is more interesting. He's part of the actual board governor, like or the FOMC. the board, yep. the board, yep. not not just a, a Fed president, a regional Fed president. So if he's saying consecutive 50s, then, you know, you can probably take that to the bank. And at some stage, we've got more ECB talk. I don't think that's tonight. No, yeah, we've got we've ECB's got Elderson. Now, I don't, I'm not as familiar with them no. as I am, obviously, with the Fed Household speakers. Names, but, yeah. you know, but I think still. it is still worthwhile sitting up and taking a listen, particularly given the fact that obviously what happens with the war in Ukraine really dictates sentiment. And that, that's a big unknown for particularly central banks in the European region. Um, but look, even if rates rise, there are opportunities. I know you had a good chat with Carl McIntyre from Firetrail about that one. Yeah, he did. I mean, uh, being on board energy and commodities is not a new theme. And of course, it's just been supercharged in this current environment. He still said there's plenty of value out there. And what I found fascinating was actually his tech stock. Not all tech stocks are the same. He gives an example of one not to buy, mm. an example of one to buy. Well, I think that's interesting. I don't usually talk to Kyle about tech and knowing what not to buy sometimes is just as important as knowing what Absolutely. to buy. <laughs> you mentioned energy in there. I know a lot of our viewers and listeners are interested in ETFs and I spoke with the ETF man, Andrew Whiteland from DP Wealth Advisory. He gave me three ETFs to play the global energy rally. And Annette, I did sneak in a question about Macquarie. I did note that Macquarie Quarry was one of the most damaging performances to the market overall. If you think about index points, it wiped about three and a half off the market. Um, but look, lots of people say whenever you see Macquarie being sold off, uh, it's a good time to buy. So I yeah, put was, that question in. Because uh, for ages we were like CBA plus or minus 100. Well, Macquarie is now plus or minus 200. Yeah. It punched through 200 with a bullet yesterday. So some of that might have got gotten taken off the table. Remembering, of course, that that is our investment bank. It gets all its fees from M&As, IPOs, and I don't think the market's finished with those yet. Well, and it also gets some of its money from the commodities trade. And that, mm-hmm. um, Morgan Stanley put out a note yesterday saying that is also, don't forget, that's a big tailwind for Macquarie um, in this energy price environment and uh, with everything that's going on in energy markets around the globe. So don't, don't forget about that exposure as well in terms of Macquarie. Um, now, tomorrow... Well, tonight we've got initial jobless claims. We've got uh, market reads on PMIs, services, flash. Yep. and flash coming yep. out in the U.S. We've got durable goods orders as well. I can't think of what's on our agenda tomorrow. Well, we had our flash PMI today, and the services PMI was actually at a 10-month high. Oh, was it? So well, that, that speaks f- to that narrative. About, that flew under yeah. the radar, I have didn't, to say. Um, I, <laughs> I did see it, and I did read it, but I believe it or not, I didn't actually speak to too many yeah. economists today, so I didn't get a chance to chew on that. So, Because a, lo- a lot of people, like we're talking to Pete McGuire yesterday, he was looking out for the PMIs to see th- of the impact of the war on sentiment. Yeah. But I'd have to say the services PMI here in Australia is not overly 
impacted by the war. So that just tells you that the economy still has plenty of momentum here. Ten month high in services PMI, nothing, nothing to be uh, to no. sneeze at. No, and it also, you know, it reinforces that narrative that we may spend less on goods, you know, more on services as we continue to get. Yeah, back out and about in the world, which I've seen more evidence of in the city today, looking at the building across from us. I yeah. always do a pulse check and there was one floor. There were floors that were still empty, but there was right. one floor that was pumping. So clearly a team has been brought back and it, in. And it now takes at least 15 minutes to get your lunch. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> um, I'm not complaining. Uh, look, I hope it's a bit quiet tomorrow because we've got a big week coming. We've got the budget coming next week. Um, look, we've got a whole host of guests lined up, but... Um, well, I, again, in that conversation with Martin Wetton, you know, we turned our minds to the budget, but we turned our mind to debt and deficit. And he was just completely poo-pooing the idea that we need to have this big narrative coming out about a return to surplus, back no. in black. It's just silly. It's it's not time to do that, particularly since, I mean, it seems like so long ago, but they were a, a whisker away from surplus before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So the situation was certainly in place. And we all know the economy is better than expected. No one thought the unemployment rate would be four. No one thought the iron ore price would still be $150. And a lot of that pandemic spending has come to an end. So, you know, speaking to all the all the economists have previews out there, multi-billion dollar better than expected. Do they choose to spend it or do they choose to save it? And this is where the politics gets in It's an the election way. year. That's They're going to the, spend yeah, it. They should, they should save it. I mean, you know, they way for their... They're neck and neck in the polls. Coalition really has – all it has on its side is we're the better economic managers. And going on a free-for-all, that really – dilutes the one thing that they have. Mm -hmm. But everybody likes a few bucks in their pocket. They do, they do. But anyway, yes, yeah. it will be the budget special. It's always 7.30pm, despite the fact that all of us economists and ex-economists just strangle, strangle yeah. them. Well, Why do you do it to us? Can you're you a TV person now, Annette, yeah. and you'll be up at 9 o'clock yeah. on, on air I'll be digesting. watching the speech, don't yeah. you? Don't worry. Hey, I'm the Aussie dollar is still up at 74 Eight, so that's pretty Punchy. strong again and again. Our local market went its own way, so bucking that negative lead from Wall Street yep. and also being down in early trade. So the ASX 200 rising by 9.2 points, just about a tenth of a percent, up to 7,387. Thank you, commodities. Thank you, energy. Yep. Once again. I'll be very interested tomorrow if uh, Carl and his macro, micro, crypto, there was a couple of key levels in that ASX coming up. So I'm looking forward to that tomorrow. Yeah, looking forward to that. Looking forward to um, the last call as well at 4 p.m. But we're getting ahead of ourselves, Annette. Why don't we call it a day today? Let's call it a day indeed. Do it again tomorrow. 8.30. Yeah.